Hi, this is Erin Olson of Sandal Feet Ministries. Thank you so much for stopping by my podcast today. If you'd like more information about my ministry, please visit www.sandalfeet.org. Thank you again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, this is Erin Olson. Thank you so much for joining me of week two of my Bible study, Forgiveness, Unforgiveness, Revealed Through Your Fruits. This week, we'll be tackling the topic of love as it relates to its counterfeit hate. So before we open up the study, let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for your love. We thank you, Lord, for your unconditional love, that you loved us so much that you sent your Son for each and every one of us. Father, I pray that even now that the Spirit would be moving among hearts of those who are listening to this podcast, that hearts would be softened to receive whatever it is that you want them to hear right now. Lord, I pray for lives to be changed, for hearts to be restored, for relationships to be restored, Lord, through your word. Father, I ask that the Holy Spirit guide my words, guide my speech, that it be the Holy Spirit who is speaking, Lord, and not I. Father, I pray that this study awakens those who need to walk in the state of forgiveness. Lord, I just praise you and I thank you. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise and ask you to bless this time together. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed working through last week, the first week of the Bible study. And um, when we were together last week, we talked about those things that are listed as the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 23. And in the study on page 15, we see where I asked you to write some notes next to those words, next to the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I asked you to write down notes next to there and, and just jot down what it is that you might be experiencing in with those uh, fruits right now. And on the next page, we went through the opposite of those fruits. Um, what I like to call the counterfeit of the, of the devil. So those things are hate, sadness, disorder, impatience, unkindness, immorality, disloyalty, abruptness, and rashness. And so each week we're going to go through uh, the fruit of the Spirit and its counterfeit because what I want to do through this Bible study is to show you what it means to walk in the complete fullness of the fruit of the Spirit, how we can have all those attributes in our own lives and not have to walk in the counterfeit that the devil tries to give you. So um, if we were in a regular class together meeting, we'd go through the discussion questions from last week. There's just a few of them. They're in the back of the book, if you have a copy of it, um, to just to discuss facilitate discussion among your small group. So the first question I asked is, at what point in your life did you fully understand what took place on the cross? We talked a lot about this last week about each one of us having to make the decision to believe in, have faith in, and surrender our lives to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And the reason why that's so important is because we don't understand forgiveness until we've been forgiven. And not forgiven by our parents or forgiven by a spouse or a teacher or whomever 
maybe extending forgiveness to us, but how it relates to being forgiven by God, the creator. He's the one we're accountable to ultimately. And we all fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners and we all need to be forgiven. And the only way that we can be forgiven is by believing in Jesus Christ. His blood on the cross washed us free of all of our deeds and all of our sin and that is the reason why we are forgiven apart from a relationship with jesus christ you cannot be forgiven you will not get into heaven he says jesus says i am the way the truth and the life in john 14 6 and so many according to scripture are going to be shocked when they get to heaven because god is going to say i don't know you i spit you out of my mouth um, because we think we know him we know of god we know the creator god but everybody knows the creator god whether they say he exists or doesn't exist they know somebody says there's god and so without that relationship with jesus christ we can't understand forgiveness so my prayer is that each person listening to this has made that important decision. And if you can't pinpoint that day, that time that you decided that, I would really ask you to challenge yourself to say, am I a saved sinner washed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Am I completely forgiven? And if you're not, I would I would say, talk to somebody. Um, you can pray to God a simple prayer. We talked about it last week. You can go back and listen to week one and hear that prayer. You can talk to your local pastor, your local church, a mentor maybe that's in your life, a family member who is a saved believer. Um, shoot me an email. Um, let's talk about it because this Bible study, no Bible study that you take, matters unless you're a safe sinner that's the ultimate goal is that everyone be reconciled with god before they take their last breath so i hope you have made that decision the second question i would say um is number two would would you say that you are a control person and how does that affect your ability to extend forgiveness if you're a type a personality like i tend to be um, you like to control things you like to manipulate things um, you like to see how you can get them to work. If I can put A and B together, that should equal C. Well, sometimes it doesn't. So control people have a hard time sometimes letting go those reins of control, giving over your life to Christ and, and letting him control who you are. So if you are a control person, I would say, please let Jesus take over for you. Let him be the one that's in control. He knows it so much better than you or I. And um, the ride is sweet. He knows what he's doing. He guides us. He directs us. And so I would say that um, if you are a control person, when you're looking for forgiveness from someone or trying to offer forgiveness to someone, it's going to be hard if you want to be in control because we have no control over how somebody reacts. We have no control over certain situations. And so if we want that control, we're going to continue to set ourselves up to fail and continue to set up access for the enemy to break into our lives. And so I would say that um, you should pray that God give you a spirit of humility and that God takes control. And then um, the third question I would ask, what led you to take this study? Are you, um, are you struggling with forgiveness or unforgiveness in your life and, and why? Jot that down. Make that a note. Make sure you know 
your intentionality with this because you want to see at the end of this, these next 10 weeks, has it made a difference? Am I a different person? Am I changed because I'm walking in the fruit of the Spirit? Or am I still possessing the counterfeit fruit? And if so, why? So don't be afraid of that. God may reveal more things to you during this study that you need to offer up to Him. But the things you know of now, be sure to jot those down so you can be praying upon that and saying, God, help me with this situation. Help me with this person or circumstance, whatever it might be. So this week, as we look at love and and how it relates to hate, 1 Corinthians 13 defines an agape type love. It's the Greek word agape for love as a love that is kind, does not display unseemingly behavior, hates evil, is associated with honesty, and protects among other things. In the King James Version, the word used for love is charity, and that's a brotherly kind of love um, without restraints. And so um, Webster defines love as a strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties, an affection based on admiration, warm enthusiasm, or devotion, and an unselfish, loyal, and benevolent concern for the good of another. That word benevolent is also used in that word charity in the King James Version, um, benevolence, right? We care about the good of someone else. And so God loves us that way right? It says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. God loved us so much. He was unselfish. He was loyal. He was benevolently concerned for each and every one of us that he loved us that much that he sent his only son to die for us so that we, whoever believes in him will not perish and we may have eternal life. So that's the kind of love that God has. God is agape love. He is the love that is above all love. And so it is so easy to love someone whom you admire or care for. But how hard is it to love that person when they have wronged you or hurt you? What does that look like for you? How does that happen? So when you um, love someone, for instance, you love a pastor. You love a pastor with a brotherly or sisterly Christian love. You admire that person Um, You have a strong affection for them because maybe they've mentored you. They've walked with you. You have been under their care, if you will, as they shepherd you. And then that pastor stumbles. They make a grave mistake. Uh, They make a huge moral decision that is not godly. And then they haven't specifically wronged you, like it hasn't been meant towards you specifically, but because of their actions, you were hurt, you were offended, you are now so confused. So what happens that? How do you continue to love that person? And when does that love move to hate? So if you want to play the blame game, you can say, well, I love my pastor. He was such a godly man. And And, uh, you know, I dedicated my life to serving him and serving his church and building up his church. And then he made this decision. And now where's my, where's my faith? Where's my belief? How does that affect me? Well, that's okay. But God's love for us doesn't ever move from love to hate. You see, God's love is unconditional. He, no matter how bad mankind had been throughout history, his main goal has always to been drop his people back to himself. 
Time and time again, he gave his people an opportunity to repent and to seek him once again. In the Old Testament, they used to offer the blood sacrifices in order to be forgiven by God once a year. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, our sins, our past sins, present sins, and future sins are forgiven the moment we accept him as Lord and Savior. God doesn't love us any less or any more, whether we're saved or not. His love is unconditional, and he came so that not one shall perish. In Malachi 3, God said, I have always loved you. This is at a time when the Israelites were making some bad choices, and, and time and time again, he would just say, I have always loved you. Come back to me. Come back to me. And even in the story of Jonah, when Jonah was sent to the wicked Ninevites and um, God gave them an opportunity to repent and turn to him, he even gave them a timeline. He said, do this within that many days or complete destruction is on your way. And so he loves us with an unconditional love, right? So if he loves us with an unconditional love, God wants us to model that as well. When we're saved, God doesn't say, oh, now you're a saved sinner, and but yet you're continuing to sin, so I think I'm going to remove my love from you, and you can figure it out on your own. God doesn't say that to us. God loves us unconditionally, and He wants us to model that unconditional love as well. He wants us to love those who the world says we don't have to love. He wants us to extend love to the unlovable. He wants us to love those who have wronged us and hurt or hurt us. And we do this by offering forgiveness. There's a quote that says, forgiveness doesn't make the other person right, but it sets you free. And that is so true. Holding on to unforgiveness causes us to live in bondage. It causes us to live um, in a place where if we will let it, we can be drugged down to that pit and we dwell with the enemy and the enemy is not loving. The enemy doesn't care about us. The enemy wants us to perish. That is his goal. He comes to seek, kill, and destroy. His words are not life-breathing. They are death-giving. So if that's the case, and we should model love, like unconditional love, like God models unconditional love, we need to know how to do that. We need to know, okay, what does that look like in my life if somebody's hurt me? How do I do that? So if someone has done something to you and you continue to hold a grudge or unforgiveness in your heart, you will have a hard time showing love to that person over the long haul. And you are doing more damage to yourself by not extending forgiveness. If you want to continue to have someone hurt you, just hold on to unforgiveness because that unforgiveness holds you in a place that Satan dwells. Satan, take note is always watching for a crack in your spirit so that he has access to you. He is watching. If he if you if he knows you hold forgiveness unforgiveness towards someone, he is going to use that to his benefit. Don't you for one moment think that he won't. In Matthew 22:37 through 39, Jesus said that second only to having no other gods before God, loving your neighbor is equally as important. There was no caveat for wrongdoing, sadness, or emotional wounds. He commanded that we extend love to everyone. 
And Jesus also said in John 13, 34 through 35, that others will know we are his disciples by the kind of love we show. Jesus knew people would be watching our behavior, our actions, and our words. If Jesus, Jesus extended love to all, and we are Christ-like, born-again believers, in possession of the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had, we should love like Jesus loved. In John 5:42, Jesus was uh, talking to a group, and he said, Because I know you don't have God's love within you. Again, he said, Because I know you don't have God's love within you. There is a difference in the love of God and the love of man. A total difference. The love that we have as Christians with the power of the Holy Spirit living within us because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, because God loves us unconditionally, the love that we have within us should look different than the love that a non-believer shows. Always remember that. There are instances when an act of passion is prosecuted differently and or offered in defense because of the emotional nature of the state of love. However, hate also stirs up quite a bit of irrationality as well. How many crimes have taken place because someone hates someone and this hate has completely blinded them to any sense of rational action? I can think of several right now in the headlines. Just complete hatred. Uh, right now we're dealing with the issue of certain groups of people hating police officers because of the action of a few police officers. So this hatred, instead of loving these officers who are there to serve and protect us for the most part, they have this hate that is stirring in this heart because of acts that were done that didn't even target them specifically, but targeted maybe somebody of their race or just because they want to get on that bandwagon. They are being blinded by hate and they are going out and killing police officers. They can't forgive the officers who made a bad choice or, or were too aggressive or potentially set out to do harm. They can't forgive those people, those officers, so because they can't forgive that love that they have or may never have or never possess, their love right now, their love bucket is being filled up with hate. And so hate is stirring and building and Satan is using that in a powerful way. And so we have people now everywhere going out and just haphazardly killing police officers. I mean, that right there is the perfect picture of what could have taken place. We could, as a people, as a city, as a race, wherever this is occurring, we could have said, we forgive we know that there are a couple bad seeds sometimes in an apple, but we know that the greater good, the greater body of police officers, they are not full of hate. They don't hate us, but they are there to serve and protect us. And so we forgive those who have made some bad choices and caused the death of people that were someone's brother and friend and son. And, and, and instead of doing that, we are stirring up quite a bit of irrationality, where now everyone is in danger, not only police officers, but also us, the public, because police officers may or may not be able to do their job completely now. 
So Proverbs 10, 12 says that hate stirs up strife and quarrels. And clearly we see that hate is stirring up lots of strife and quarrels right now in our life. And, and as Jesus gets closer and closer to his return, we'll see much more lawlessness abounding according to scripture. The Bible is also clear that we are not to hate another Christian brother or sister. In 1 John 2, 9, it says, If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. In 1 John 4, 20 says, If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people who we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Right? Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. And I would say... I would say that if we can't, as Christians, love all of our Christian brothers and sisters, there's absolutely no way that we can expect an unsaved sinner to love. And we can't expect to love an unsaved sinner if we can't even love our Christian brothers and sisters. So love is powerful. It says in Proverbs 26, 24 through 27, Covered hate will always be exposed. In verse 24, it starts, People may cover their hatred with pleasant words, but they're deceiving you. While their hatred may be concealed by trickery, their wrongdoings will be exposed in public. And let me just say that we can sit here and say in public, we can sit and say in our Bible study classes, in our Bible fellowship classes, our community groups, whatever you call them, with your disciple group, we can say, oh no, I totally forgive that person. It doesn't bother me that they said such and such about me um, or that uh, they're trying to derail me. But, oh, it's okay. I forgive them because that's what God tells me to do. So I forgive them. Well, those are pleasant words, but that's still if not completely true, is hatred concealed by trickery. And those things will be exposed in public. Eventually, they'll catch up to you because God doesn't want us to hold forgiveness in our hearts. And we need to be careful with that. There's some issues that I struggle with. Um, so many things that people in my life have done to cause me pain, sadness, and anger. When I was a child, when I was a teenager, a young adult, even as an adult now, um, some things that people say to me or, or about me or, um, you know, things that may be done to my husband in his business dealings, just, you know, crooked people doing crooked things. And, and sometimes just words hurt, you know. I mean, our tongue is sharper than a two-edged sword and, and it cuts to the heart. And, and sometimes when people say that to me, I really struggle with that. I really have to struggle with, oh my goodness, I have to forgive that person because if I dwell on that, it's going to take me down. And, and sometimes I'll think that I've gotten to a part where I've forgiven them and then maybe months go by and for some reason that is triggered again, that conversation or that thought pops into my mind. And, and I have to say, did I really forgive that person? If I'm still sitting about thinking about this or when it comes to my mind, if it just starts create, creating all these yucky images and anxiety, I haven't really released it and forgiven them. So I need to work through that myself. I need, there are so many things every day that um, I need to work on forgiveness for, but I know as I notice that, as I bring that to light, that 
I can deal with it quicker than before when I didn't understand forgiveness because I wasn't seeing it through God's eyes. And, and so it's a total difference. It's like a, you know, a 180 degree change, 360 degree change. And, and I can say, you know, if I keep holding on to that, what good is that doing for me? And so the biggest question that I've started to ask myself is, um, what do you think God thinks about this situation? And what do you think God thinks about this person? Do I think that God loves that person any less because they're saying all those things about me or doing those things to me? Do I think God loves them any less because they're doing that? I mean, if God isn't a God of unconditional love, I would have to say no. He doesn't like sin. He hates sin. He hates evil, clearly, because that's what love is defined as, to hate evil. But does God not like that person? Does God not love that person? No. God is hoping that that person as well has a change of heart, just as he is expecting me to have a change of heart to not walk in unforgiveness. And so instead of me saying, oh, I can't believe that person said that about me. What's that problem? Why? Why? I have started to say, what do you think could be happening in that person's life to be able to say or do something like that, right? Instead of spending energy being angry and upset, which could also be known as hating this person or situation, I need to spend time in prayer about it. I need to take it to Jesus and ask him to instruct me on how to move forward. I take it to him. I'm, you know, God can't, I can't change a person. I can't change their circumstance, but I can pray for them. I can say, Lord, change me in the way that I view this person. Lord, change this person according to your will, what you would have done in, in their life. Um, and I also need to say, Lord, do I need to talk to this person? Scripture says, you know, if you have a problem with a brother or sister, go to them first. Talk about it. Don't let it sit in the darkness where it can fester, but instead say, Lord, do I need to go talk to this person? Maybe it was a misunderstanding. Maybe something was taken out of context, or maybe I just need to say a prayer of forgiveness over that person um, if that doesn't work out at the moment, you know? So I'd say, God, I release this to you. I forgive this person. I don't want to hold hatred in my heart for this person or what they said or whatever it is. I just don't want to hold on to this, Lord. So I'm just praying, Lord, I just forgive them. Why they said it, I don't know, but I'm just going to say that I, I forgive them and I give it all to you, Lord, and you take care of it. And sometimes when the offense is too new or perhaps too intense, prayer is the best solution at first. Sometimes when we come out of the gate swinging without a plan or, or without prayer, uh, it can get ugly. So um, God often needs to do a work in our hearts first so that we can love like he loves and extend forgiveness like he does. Um, in the same breath, we can also pray for that person who caused the offense, as well as ask the Lord to reveal our wrongdoing. So um, there's many ways that we can handle it, but the one thing we can't do is to hold that hate in our hearts. We can't continue to allow that person to hurt us over and over and over and over again. And if we don't specifically um, try to figure out why that's happening, whether it's the way we're reacting because we're feeling prideful or we're not humble enough. Maybe somebody is giving us some criticism and, and maybe our hearts are too full of pride to accept that criticism and love. And so you think they're saying a harsh word to you, whereas they're not. They think they're acting in kindness by giving you some um, correction and you take it as they're saying something bad about you. And, and that's not the case. So 
take it to pr- in prayer all the time. Say, Lord, what is this? Why is this person hurting me? Reveal it to me. Is it my heart, their heart, situation? How can we bring this back together? Because I know that um, loving our Christian brothers and sisters is important. And oftentimes, if we're surrounded by Christian brothers and sisters, unfortunately, they're going to be the ones that hurt us because they're the ones who are in our lives. They know some of the stuff and and we walk with them more often. Sometimes we're only barely um, allowing the non-saved world to live on our on our outskirts because we go there, but we come back to our safe places. Well, our safe places, if you know, like at a home, at least in my house, uh, my children are great while they're at school. They get high accolades, very respectful, do all this. And as soon as they cross the threshold into my home, they're like wheels off. Um, you know, they just, everything, it's like a garbage disposal. Everything comes back up and, and they're acting crazy and disrespectful and testing their bounds because they feel safe. It's a safe place here. So sometimes that happens in our Christian circles as well. But, but I would say that if we can't love our Christian brothers and sisters well, we're going to have a really hard time of loving the unsaved people because it's just messy. They're doing things that aren't in line with how you live and what you believe and you have to figure out how to love them. And that's a that's a love that God offers. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power to love like that because it's a fruit of His Spirit. And if we're walking in the Spirit and the fullness of God, we'll have that love in us. And our love should look different than anyone who is not possessing the Holy Spirit. So my challenge for you this week would be to work through week two. There's some great discussion questions in there. Um that you can jot down some notes and work through that and and just see where the Lord takes you. And uh, hopefully you return next week for week three and we'll move on to the next fruit. So I thank you today for joining me in this podcast and I will close this out in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. Your love is unconditional. Without your love and forgiveness, we would just be lost unsaved sinners destined for the pit of hell. Lord, that sounds just completely um, frightful to some and completely frank to others. Not so nice and not the picture of Jesus we see in Sunday school with a little lamb on his lap, Lord, but it's the reality of it. Without you, Lord, we are lost. So Lord, I just pray that we love like you love, that we love well. Lord, that we don't take a moment to lose an opportunity to show love and extend love because we're filled with hate and unforgiveness. Father, open up our hearts, reveal to our hearts this week whom it is that we aren't loving well. Lord, bring those to light so that we can be exposed, so that we can work through those relationships and those situations, Lord, so that, that we can move in the fullness of all that you want to give us. Lord, we just praise you, and it's in your name we pray.